I want you to open your Bible this morning to Romans chapter 12, the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. You may wonder why, why I sit down while we're doing all the singing, because I'm going to stand up now for about 45 minutes. That's why I sit down. I learned just to uh, pace myself. I'm stronger than I've been in a long, long time, but uh, man, I just want to have all the energy and all the strength I can when I'm, when I'm preaching. Um, my prayer for you today is that God will give you ears to hear and eyes to see spiritually that any deception in your life, that it will be exposed and you'll know that, well, that's just a lie. That's not true. And that God will just do an amazing work in each one of us today. It was, the Lord spoke to me so strongly uh, yesterday about really addressing this subject. And it's almost like he said, now you need to address it and you need to address it emphatically. And it's, you know, God speaks to me, but not as strongly as he did when, when that was coming into my heart. You know, there, there's a serious epidemic in our nation, a serious epidemic. It takes more lives than cancer and heart disease combined. Sometimes the death is instant, and sometimes it's gradual. But every one of us is touched by this serious epidemic. So I want to address that today. From the Word of God, I want to speak to you about the healing of the mind. I believe that uh, disturbed minds, tormented minds, addicted minds, reprobate minds, mentally ill minds, I'm telling you, only God knows. The toll it takes on human lives. You know, the Bible says we, we, we've got a soul. It's our mind. And then our mind is vitally tied to our emotions. And our mind and emotions are tightly, vitally tied to our will. And I'm telling you that it's all about this matter of God healing our minds. And it's a desperate need for our minds to be healed. I guess I realize after over 50 years in the ministry that more strongly than ever that um, life is full. It's full of, of, of blessings. But it's also full of hurts and full of disappointments. And that unless we learn how to deal with all these things that come into our life, that the devil and the world will rob us. So first of all, I want to talk about the critical condition of the mind. And then I want to talk about the cure, the cure of our mind. And then I want to talk about the control of our mind. As the Spirit of God was speaking to me, he said, you know, a lot of people live with a disturbed mind. 
And the reason they do is because of verbal abuse. Now, verbal abuse cannot be separated from emotional abuse. And can you imagine all the people, many, 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 many sitting in this place that in our lifetime have been subjected to verbal abuse? We don't understand how important that is. It says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Now, let's take a child, whether they're five or eight or ten. Let's take a child and the person they respect, the, the people they respect, and the people they trust are constantly putting them down. Well, well you're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. So-and-so makes all A's and you don't make all A's. So-and-so is a great athlete and you, 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 you're, not, uh, you're not living up to the expectations that I, I wanted to live through you. Do you realize I, I was blessed. I was raised in a home where I was never verbally abused. But I've talked to thousands of people who from the time they can remember were just berated and, and just basically lost all confidence in themselves and had no sense of self-worth or self-esteem. It's almost like they grew up with, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I've talked to people whose parents have said to them, well, I wish you were never born. And I've talked to others who said, well, you're just such a burden to me. I'll be glad when you're gone. Let me tell you something. Verbal abuse leads to people having a disturbed mind. And somehow God has to reach down and heal that person. Because, listen, don't you believe the lies? When God created you, you are unique and you are special. And there's not one thing. When God created you, he did not create junk. And just because people, because of their own sin and their own failure and their own misunderstanding, feel like they've got to take their anger and their stuff out on you. Many were raised, many of you may have had alcoholic fathers who just absolutely uh, verbally abused you. I'm going to tell you something. A person who's been verbally abused has a disturbed mind. And they need the healing touch of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then I got to, you know, no wonder there's so many problems in in families and in marriages when these people who've been verbally abused go to try to establish a marriage and raise their own children. But, But then there's another I call it a tormented mind. And it's from those who have suffered physical abuse. You know, there are many kinds of physical abuse. Of course, we're all aware of the fact of sexual abuse. I heard the statistics not long ago of how many children under the age of 12, how many, what percentage were sexually abused 
by the time they were 12 years old. Now, now you talk about a tormented mind. It's when somebody who's young and somebody that they know 90% of the time, somebody they trust, somebody that's supposed to care for them, not abuse them, then in turn abuses them. And, and then the enemy comes, and this has been the thing that has so many times I've heard them say, I lived with it, I stuffed it because I thought it must have been something wrong with me. Or it would have never happened. That's a lie. That's a lie. It was an evil, wicked person who took advantage of you. And it had absolutely nothing to do with you. And then, of course, there's not only sexual abuse, but how, how sometimes parents are, are, are just violent. I mean, there's domestic abuse between a husband and a wife. And, and, and there's domestic abuse physically within the family. And I, I tell you, man, when you experience that, it, it's tormenting. I've, I've learned one thing. When you haven't experienced it, it's hard for you to understand how tormenting it is. It was hard for me to understand how people were so crippled by verbal abuse. And then it, I, I, I knew that sexual abuse and physical abuse was tormenting, but I didn't really couldn't grasp how painful it was until this happened in one week and God was trying to get my attention and let me know of the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hurting people who'd been physically abused. In one week, the first person that came to see me, this has been 20 years ago, was about 35. Had been abused, I think, this person by a grandfather. And uh, had never told a soul. I was the first person. She stuffed it. She had been living with guilt and shame, thinking that it was her fault. And she showed me the scars where she had tried to kill herself and failed. And she said, I've lived with this. And, and, and she didn't use the word tormented, but she didn't have to. And I said, it affected her marriage. But I told her that she had to bring it out in the light, which she was. And then had to bring it into the light of God and express, experience his healing. But also had to bring it in the light of those that were part of the, her life. Well, it wasn't three days later till another person came. And said, well, Brother Fred, uh, you know, I tried to kill myself. And I was, shot, I was going to shoot myself in the heart. And I, I shot too high. And I didn't kill myself. And I said, well, tell me about it. And she said, told me about her abuse and how that it had tormented her for all these years. And she lived with guilt and shame. Listen, I'm going to tell you all something. We wonder what's wrong with a lot of marriages today and what's wrong with the family. Listen, there are a lot of people that have gone into the situations and carried all kind of baggage with them. The baggage of physical or verbal abuse. And it's tragic. It's tragic. And we don't understand why sometimes people act the way they act.
then, then I got to think about not only the, 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 the uh, tormented mind and not only the disturbed mind, but I began to think about the addictive mind. How that people get addicted in their minds and it then becomes a part of their physical body. Now, when, we, when I talk about addiction, the first thing you think about is, is drugs and alcohol. And I'm going to talk, but let me tell you something. I remember the person who came to me. If, if I recall the story correctly, they were about to lose their marriage and everything. And, and, and the problem was this. They were addicted to pornography. And I said, well, now how did that, how did that happen? And this is what they said, and I don't know what, the, I, I guess they were looking for, but they said, I discovered on the mattress of the bedroom in my father and mother's house, I discovered, as about eight or nine or ten years old, pornography. And I began to secretly look at it. And the older I got, the more addictive it became. And when I got married, I carried it right on into my marriage. And now I'm about to lose it all. Because you see, he had an addicted addiction. And it is real. And you say, well, I don't understand why they just can't quit. I know they can by the power of Jesus. But I'll tell you, man, it's like a vice around a person's neck. And then, of course, uh, the epidemic today of, 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 of drug addiction, prescription drugs, is the biggest one. Some of us take medicine just as it's prescribed and it's a blessing from God. But if you're not careful and your physician is not careful, he'll prescribe medicine to you. You'll get dependent on it. You'll need more. And before you know it, you can't live without it. And then it's gotten so easy. I, I never knew what marijuana was. I never knew anything about anything. I, I mean, I, that, it didn't even exist when, in 1956 when I graduated from high school. I had no idea. Do you understand that eight, 10, 12 year old kids are exposed to that all the time in the culture of Mobile, Alabama and in the culture of America and they go from one addiction to another? Let me tell you the tragedy of addiction. Whether it's alcohol or drugs, I'm gonna tell you the tragedy of it. Once it gets its claws in you, man, you are gripped and you, the, the the thought of the pain of getting off of it makes you driven to go back for the next shot or the next pill. And before long, your life is being destroyed. Your marriage is being affected. And every part of your life is fragile. And, and, and man, it's almost, let me tell you something. From the time you come ad become addicted till the time you get off of it, did you know your life is at a standstill? Did you realize, say, if a person got addicted to drugs at 12, and then they got off at 24, did you know that they're 12 years old emotionally? They never had a chance to mature. They never faced the reality of growing up. They numbed their mind. And when they do get off of it, it's almost like, here they are, they're 30 years old, but emotionally, they're 15 years old. You see, all of this is a part of the disintegration of the family and the disintegration of our culture that, that people are living with, with uh, disturbed minds and tormented minds and addictive minds. 
And then the one that, that really is alarming to me is what the Bible calls a reprobate mind. You know, it says in Romans, now listen to this. Even because they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They said, I don't, this basically, listen, I don't want anything to do with God. They don't say it, but they, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't even want to think about God and their accountability to him and their purpose for him and their responsibility to him. They didn't want to think about it. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Romans 1, he says, well, then God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. I have found that a lot of teenagers go through a stage where they say, well, I, I'm not sure there's a God. And, and I'm not sure there, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily an atheist. Maybe I'm an agnostic and, and, and they begin to doubt. Well, I'm not sure about the Bible. I'm not sure about all the teachings in the Bible about morality. Now, you, you know what they're doing? They know. They may not be conscious of this, but deep inside, they know if they believe there's a God. And they know that if they believe the, the teachings of the Bible are true, that they're going to have to give an account for what they're doing. And they don't want to have to give them account. So what they do, they conveniently get full of, quote, unbelief and just live like they want to live. But that doesn't change anything. Doesn't change the reality of God. Doesn't change their accountability to God. Doesn't change the consequences of what they sow, they reap. But, but I'm telling you, this is a reprobate mind. The Bible says in Isaiah 5, they call evil good and good evil. They call light darkness and darkness light. We're living in a culture where there are people with disturbed minds, tormented minds, addicted minds, reprobate minds. Is it any wonder that there seems to be the chaos and the confusion uh, and, and the disintegration of the family and the trouble in marriages and with, with teenagers? Is it, any, is it any wonder? Is it any wonder? Because of the difficulty. By the way, there are those who, who suffer what I call from mental illness. It's not that they were verbally abused. It was not that they were, you know, tormented, physically abused, or addicted, or reprobate. But they, they genetically, they're, they're, they're prone to uh, mental illness. Just like a person may be genetically prone to diabetes... These people are genetically prone to, to depression and other things, and they, they have to deal with it. You know, I had a lady come in today. She had no idea what I was going to preach on. She said, Brother Fred, I've got a, we've had a miracle in my family. She said, my brother that has been mentally ill, and he's 81 now, recently got saved, and he's doing better now. She told me that this morning. There's an epidemic, y'all. Well, let me ask you a question. How do we address the epidemic? I call it the critical condition of the mind. But then I want us to think about the cure. The cure. What is the cure for a disturbed or a, a tormented or an addicted or a reprobate? What is the cure? What is the cure? 
Number one, th- this is important, especially to anybody who's been verbally or physically or, or, or even addictively abused. You've got to realize one thing. We have got to believe God's love for us and God's plan for us and that it has always been good and not bad. Let, let me tell you, I got a new insight in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Now, I want you to listen to this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, you present your body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then he says, now listen, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world of people or whatever, don't let the world fit you into its mold. But you be transformed. How? How can I keep from the home that I'm raised in and the people I'm around and the things I've experienced, how can I keep it from fitting me into its mold, squeezing me into its mold and believing its lies? You be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Here it is, by the renewing of your mind. You have to renew your mind. And renewing, renewing your mind involves refusing the lies and replacing it with the truth. Now let me tell you the beautiful thing about this verse. He said that you may renew your mind, and this is why, that you may know, don't miss this, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said, let me tell you something. Don't you believe what the world says about you? And don't you believe what the world does to you? You you don't have to believe the lies and the deception. He said, let me tell you what you do. You, you, You renew your mind and you come to the truth that God's will for you. I love this. It's good. It's not God's will for you to live with a disturbed or a tormented or addicted or reprobate. That's not God's will. That you may know what that the, that that you may know the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's God's plan for you. His good, His acceptable, and His perfect will. And thank God, He is big enough. He is big enough and great enough and loving enough to to to, to do something. To, to, to actively intervene in, in, in a troubled, troubled mind. You, you've got to believe God's love for you. You've got to believe that God's will for your life is good and acceptable and perfect. No matter what anybody said to you. No matter what anybody did to you. No matter what kind of addiction you got caught in. Let me tell you something. It's not over. What you've got to understand, this, this is a part of a wicked and a sinful world in which we're living. And the, it, that is not the will of God. For you to live that way, he says to you, my will is good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. And I love you. And I'm the God who created you. I'm the God who sent my son to die on the cross for you and to redeem you. And he said, I am saying to you, I came, Jesus came came not only to save our soul and to forgive our sins, 
but to heal our minds. He came to do that. Far, some of you here have been far too long just stuffing those feelings, thinking that, well, I deserved that. It was my fault. Maybe I wasn't the person. Maybe I was a disappointment. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. It's a lie. And remember, God loves you, and his will for you is good. And it is acceptable, and it's perfect. And that is exactly where God wants you to live. You've got to believe what God says about you. Now, I want you to notice in these two verses, it all begins with this. Present your body a living sacrifice. Are you listening to me? The healing of the mind. And we all know what it is. Hey, you know, there, there have been times where I had an exceedingly troubled mind, a disturbed mind. I, I know what it is. I've gone through a period where I not only had a disturbed mind, but where I had a tormented mind. I, I, I know how that feels. Thank God I've never had any degree of an addictive mind. But I've had many people that I love and am close to, friends, that, that, that have fought that battle. And somehow I, I understood their pain. So, so don't, don't feel like, well, something was wrong. It's bad wrong with me. No, no, no. Most of us go through these periods and, and we've got to realize that God loves us and has a plan for our lives. And it begins this, by surrendering to Jesus. Present your body a living sacrifice because i won't tell you i know this i know this i'll stake my life on it i'll preach this till the day i go to be with jesus i am telling you jesus christ can heal your mind he can heal it and you don't have to live with it the rest of your life you say, well, I just don't know if Jesus can do that or not. Well, that breaks my heart. But one day you will believe he could do it. Because the Bible says God's highly exalted him. And given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Some person says, well, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know about this thing of surrendering to Jesus. Okay, you don't know about it, but I'm telling you, one day you'll know about it. But it'll be one day too late. You know, we've got to surrender to Jesus. We've got to talk to him about it. We've got to talk to him about it. Now, Lord, you know the pain I have. You know, the, you know the, uh, how disturbed I am and how I deal with this disturbance in my mind. Now, Lord Jesus, I, I, just, I just want you to know you took care of that on the cross. And, and I know, you know, you know why I love the name of our church? Because it's, it's what Jesus came to do. Now, listen, what he came to do. He came to save the lost. In other words, if we repent of our sins and trust him, he will forgive us. We'll become a new creation in Christ. 
So he, he came to preach the gospel to the poor. But listen to this. He came in Luke 4.18 to heal the brokenhearted. Huh. He came to heal your mind. Of all the verbal abuse, he came to heal you from that and let you know that, hey, that's not true of you. He came to heal you and re- make you realize, hey, that was not your fault. You, you, didn't, you, you, you were not the one that, you, you, you're, you're a victim here instead of one. He came to heal your physical abuse. He came to heal you of your addiction. You've got to understand, Luke 4.18 is, is the ministry of Jesus. And by the way, it says, you know what it says? In the last part, he, he came to save the lost, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to deliver the captives. Oh, but I'm addicted to this medicine. I'm addicted to this drug. Let me say something to you. Jesus came to break the chains of addiction. Came to break it. And he can do it. He does it all the time. I was talking to a man Wednesday night. And he, he was talking about uh, for 30 years. That's a long time. From the time he was about 12. To the time he was about 40. He lived in the drug world. He was a drug addict for 30 years. But he said to me, Brother Fred, the drug that took me to hell Oh, I'd fooled around with drugs for 30 years and been in prison because of it and this stuff. He said, but the drug that took me to hell was crystal meth. He said, in five years, it took me to absolute hell till I was standing in my yard in the midst of a thunderstorm of lightning and asking God to strike me dead. He said, he, it took me to the depths of of hell. But you know what? He's free. He's forgiven. For over 10 years now, he's been free as a bird, praise God. And how you know how he said, the only one that could ever help me was Jesus. He called his mother after that was over and said, would you please get me committed to some place so that I can be helped because I'm not going to live if you don't. And praise God, he went to the first place, the Mission of Hope, and didn't stay. But then he went the second time and God transformed his life. And he's a picture of the power of the Son of God. Hallelujah, we got a Savior that can heal a disturbed mind and a tormented mind and an addicted mind. Jesus is able, and I'm telling you, don't you sell Jesus short. He's done, he can do anything he has ever done. So, man, we've got to surrender to Jesus. And we've got to come to him. And we've got to trust him. Let me tell you about Jesus. Number one, he can forgive you. Number two, he can save you. Number three, he can heal you. Number four, he can deliver you. And number five, he can restore you. That sounds good to me. Glory to God. I'm going to say it again. He can save you. He can heal you. He can deliver you. He can restore you. I'm telling you, my, I, I want to give a testimony. Praise God, he saved me. Hallelujah. Number two, he healed me. Number three, he delivered me. Number four, he's restored me. And I want to testify that Jesus is real. He's real. Is there anybody else in here that Jesus saved, healed, testified, restored, and made whole? Anybody else in here? 
Hallelujah. Let's give God a hand. That's exactly right. The world can be full of unbelief, but we know, we know by experience that everything Jesus came to do, he can do because he did it in our lives. Glory to the Lamb of God. So we've got to come to Jesus and take our minds and ask him to heal them. Say, Lord, I can't live. I don't want to live this way anymore. But then I want to just say a couple of other things. You can ask him to heal your mind. You ask him. Say, Lord, heal my mind of that verbal abuse. I know that's not who I am. God, heal my memories. Heal my memories of that physical abuse. Whether it's domestic or whatever, a bad marriage. Lord, heal my mind. Lord, heal my mind of all that addiction and restore me emotionally. You can ask Jesus to heal you. And, and Lord, heal me of, uh, of, of, of not believing you, of not wanting to retain you. In my, Lord, give, heal me of a reprobate mind. See, you can ask Jesus to heal you. But there's, there's one thing that is very, very important. And you'll never be healed until you do this. First of all, you have to receive God's forgiveness in your own life. Now stay with me. You have to receive God's forgiveness. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. There's none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Lord, I need your forgiveness. I've sinned against you. But Jesus shed his blood, and the Bible says he loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So, Lord, I need your forgiveness, okay? Then you need to take a second step. You need to forgive yourself. Because I'm going to tell you something. God forgives, and the blood of Jesus cleanses. It says that in 1 John. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us. I mean, he washes it away from all sin. But the devil, man, he'll try to keep you feeling guilty and keep you feeling condemned and keep you feeling like, yeah, but, you know, it's not real. Listen, I'll tell you one thing. Sometimes it's much harder to forgive others than it is to forgive yourself. And if you keep rereading the pages you wish you hadn't written, if you keep re-walking down the roads you wish you hadn't walked down. Listen, every one of us have written pages that we wish to God we'd never written. Every one of us has walked down roads we wish to God we'd never walked down. But praise God, we don't have to live in the past. We can forgive ourselves. Because Jesus has forgiven us. There's one other thing. You've got to forgive the people, the person who verbally abused you. Oh, yeah. you got to forgive the person that rejected you. you got to forgive the person who verbally abused you. You know, I was thinking how cruel that sometimes teenagers can be to each other. On, on Facebook, you know, they would start criticizing. And we'd read about the young woman that committed suicide because of the Twitter and all this kind of junk. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's awful. But I, I got to thinking how a young man moved into Rock Hill and he started going to Central School. And he was from up north. 
And he didn't talk like we talked. And also, that there were, there were and it, this is just making sense, there weren't any Catholics in Mobile. I mean, Rock Hill, I mean, there may have been, I mean, there may have been 15 or 20, but I mean, I didn't even know what a Catholic was. And not only did he come from up north, he, he was a Catholic, and, and he'd be given the sign every time he was going to bat and all that stuff. And, and on top of that, and, and, and this isn't funny now, but he, he had a hair lip, and it, it had never been fixed. His name was Red Dantzler. You know, we abused him verbally. We made fun of him. We criticized him. I've asked God to forgive me. I know it affected his life. I know it did. But you know, it may have been that somebody's treated you that way. So what are you going to do? They wronged you. You not only have to receive God's forgiveness, you not only have to forgive yourself, but you've got to forgive the people or the person who verbally abused you. You've got to forgive the person who rejected you. You've got to forgive the person who physically abused you. Now, let me tell you about forgiveness. And you, you, you get this in your heart, and it'll, it'll help you. It is difficult to forgive, especially verbal abuse, physical abuse, rejection. It's hard. And it's also hard to forgive yourself when you've blown it, blown it, years of your life wasted on addiction. But you've got to realize this about forgiveness. It's hard because the pain is real. The pain of being told you're nothing and never will be, that hurts. The pain of somebody who you trusted taking advantage of you, man, that hurts. And let me tell you about forgiveness. You've you got to move beyond the pain. Did you know some people have been living with pain for 25 years and never have gotten beyond it yet? Can you imagine can you imagine? You've got to forgive the person who was the one who caused you the pain. And it's hard because it's painful, because the pain is real. Secondly, it's, you've got to realize that forgiveness is not an emotion. You will never feel like forgiving anyone. Okay, so your husband was unfaithful to you, all right? Are you going to wait till you feel like forgiving him? No, you might feel like killing him, but you sure don't feel like forgiving him. Are you going to wait until you feel like it? Or are you going to do what God said? Forgive, uh, 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 forgive others just like I've forgiven you. See, forgiveness is not an emotion. It is a choice. You just have to make a hard choice. Dear God, I hate what they did. I hate what it caused me, but I choose to forgive them because I'll never be healed and I'll never be right with you until I forgive them. Never. But then there's a third thing you've got to realize about forgiveness. See, this is all a part of being healed, of physical or verbal or addictive or whatever abuse it's been. Of, of a troubled mind. It, this is all part of it. You've got to just remember and etch it in your mind. Forgiveness doesn't mean approval. It doesn't mean approval. If somebody verbally abused you or physically abused you, or I even in forgiving yourself, listen, forgiveness doesn't mean approval. It's, it's, you're not saying, well, it didn't matter. It's okay. 
It's just part of life. No, 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 no. You can hate it. You can despise it. You can never receive it. But forgiveness doesn't mean you approve. Jesus forgave us of every one of our sins. And he didn't approve of a one of them. You know, I, I was talking to a young man in the last 10 days. And his brother really has wronged him. And his brother was arrested about a situation. And they don't go to this church, so you don't know who it is. But he said, Brother Fred, I wasn't glad that he got arrested. I said, you know, that tells me you've forgiven him. Because you didn't rejoice that he got arrested. He said, I wasn't glad. I said, you're moving. I said, you're growing in forgiveness. Because the other time I'd seen him, he was bitter and angry. And Man, let me tell you something. We've got we to surrender to Jesus We've got to ask Jesus to heal our minds. We've got to bring our minds to him and ask him to heal it. And then we have to forgive those who have caused the pain and the hurt in our life. And then we've got to fill our mind with the word of God. You, you see, the Bible calls, says that the Bible washes your mind. The washing of the water of the word. The Bible washes your mind. You read it and it cleanses you. And it gets rid of all those thoughts. The Bible is just like a, a you just put your mind through the washer. And it just washes your mind. The word of God, and the Bible says it sanctifies your mind. See, the world is full of lies about you and about other things, but the Word of God is full of truth. And you'll find out how much God loves you and find out about forgiveness and how God has a plan for your life and how that when you obey Him, you will be blessed. And, and see, you've got to stop. If you listen to the news, that's one thing. If you read the paper, that's one thing. But you better read the Bible. If your mind's ever going to be cleansed and washed, and made whole. The word of God. The Bible says the word of God is a lamp to our feet. And a light to our path. Thy word have I hid in my heart. That I might not sin against you. The word of God brings healing. Healing. Healing to a troubled mind. You know there is an epidemic. Nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to stuff it. But I'm going to tell you something. There's an epidemic in people's minds. It's affecting marriages. It's affecting society in every way. Let me give you one verse and I'm going to pray. You say, Brother Fred, I, I want my thoughts. I want to control my thoughts. Okay? You surrender your mind to Jesus. And then you get over and I want you just to listen to this. And I'm going to tell you where it is and I want you to go home. And I want you to memorize it. Then I want you to put it on the refrigerator door where you're going all the time. Just put it up there with some scotch tape. And every time you go to the refrigerator or where you brush your teeth or whatever you do, just, just put this verse up there. Just, and this is what it says. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's noble or uplifting, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. You know, I've got one of the worst addictions today is violence with the video games. I pray to God you don't let your child play with violent video games. 
If you do, repent and stop it. Listen to what he says. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's any praise, meditate on these things. So I'll just put my thoughts to the test of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. 